the worst news, a mass shooting at a private Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee. Six people killed, including three children, nine years old, they were said to be, and three adults, staff members at the school. The alleged shooter was shot herself, himself, uh, Audrey Hale, 28 years old. Police responded to the scene, located this individual who they believed was the shooter, who was armed, and, well, that individual is now dead. As to the gender identity of this individual, it is relevant. And let's just go to the police. What is this individual's gender identity? It usually doesn't matter. It matters this time. Did she identify as transgender? She does uh, identify as transgender. Yes. Oh, by the way, the chief may have used the wrong pronouns, and everybody's giving the chief a hard time about that. Anyway, um, but the identity, the gender identity of this individual may have been a motivating factor. Is there any reason to believe that how she identifies is, has any motive for targeting the school? Uh, we can give you that at a later time. There is uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. All right. Sounds like there's something there. If I can see the suspect one more time, it is said that this individual attended the school as a student some 15 years ago. So uh, we'll learn more undoubtedly in the hours and days ahead. In the meantime, this is uncomfortable for the preferred narrative of the left. They like to think that the only bad people in America are, uh, what do they say, cisgender Straight white males. AOC hates it when things like this happens. We have the radicalization of young men. This is an issue. Um, Young women are not doing this. Young non-binary people are not doing this. Trans people are not doing this. This is an issue that we have. Uh, Unfortunately, they are doing it, actually. She said that in the wake of Uvalde. And again, only that uh, uh, straight white men do these kinds of things. That's not true. And I'll show you in great detail in a moment how that isn't true. But more nonsense from this champion of the left. Many of these disgusting and insinuating attacks on trans and LGBT people are actually projections of what predatory cisgender and often straight men do when left alone in the presence of women or sometimes horribly children. So instead of getting you to challenge the patriarchy, they're trying to get you to challenge the very gender expressiveness that challenges patriarchy. Don't get it twisted because a lot of people attacking drag are projecting. Uh, The twisted part, I think that definitely applies to her patriarchy. That's a uh, that's a kind of a sophisticated name for the family. And in Western society, we like the family. We're pro family. Oh, yes. Socialists, communists, they hate the family. They love the state. That's what it's all about. Um, But yeah, sorry, your non-binary and transgender brothers and sisters, they do this stuff. Or should I not say brothers and sisters? Probably not. Uh, Let's go through it. Just like any other group, you can find some bad transgenders. Yes, in Aberdeen, Maryland, uh, this individual killed three, injured three. In the Denver school shooting in May of 2019, one killed 
Eight injured, it's believed, by this individual. More recently, Colorado Springs shooting, November of 2022. Five killed, 25 injured, police believe, by this non-binary individual. Harvey Marcelin, a transgender woman, killed two people, allegedly dismembered another person. <laughs> that, that person spent 50 years in jail, got out at the age of 80 on parole, and police believe started to kill again. Christian Jeffers, 2022 transgender woman, attacked a man with a hammer. And one of the most famous bank robberies of all time was committed by uh, John Vodovich, later uh, the star of Dog Day Afternoon, at least his character played by Al Pacino. And in the movie, Vodovich was trying to get money to pay for a sex change operation for his boyfriend. It happens, and I think, quite frankly, it's going to be happening a lot more because this has been normalized. Drag queens talking to kids. This has got to be confusing, to say the least, to um, young children, right? I was confused by Tom and Jerry. This thing would totally throw me for a loop. I'm glad I'm an adult. So the shooting happened today, and it was awful news national news. And, you know, in a moment of crisis, even today, it sounds corny, people look to the White House for a little bit of leadership, for a little bit of what does this all mean? Tell us it's going to be okay. Joe Biden came out today for an event at about three o'clock, just in the aftermath of this. He knew what happened. And his press office had already alerted the media the president was going to speak on this. And this is what he said. My name is Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm Dr. Jill Biden's husband. Yeah, that routine. Jill Biden's husband. <laughs> that was cute in Wilmington, maybe Dover, but it doesn't work anymore. Again, he knows what happened at that school. What do they say next? And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. Remember, this is the consoler in chief, right? This is the person who has empathy. What is he waiting for? All the networks went to this live thinking he was going to say something appropriate. They had to dump out because he was making a fool out of himself and not honoring those lost. And it gets worse. It's a delight to have you all here. And who are those good-looking kids back there? They're your kids, all four of them? Well, stand up, guys. Well, I want you to know, like you, I had two brothers, three in our family, three brothers, and one sister. Uh, my sister is smarter than all of us. <laughs> Not a joke. She, she used to be three years younger than me. Now she's 23 years younger than me. See what I mean? <laughs> then he goes on and talks about Valerie and how smart Valerie was and how Valerie ran all of his campaigns, which is another story, by the way. Had no business doing that. All right. After he's warmed up the crowd, now he's ready to talk about what happened to those children. I just want to speak very briefly about the school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. <clears throat> you know, uh, Ben and I have been doing this our whole careers, it seems. And uh, it's just, uh, it's sick 
You know, we're still gathering the facts of what happened and why. We have to do more to protect our schools so they aren't turned into prisons. You know, uh, the shooter in this situation reportedly had two assault weapons and a pistol, two AK-47. So I call on Congress again to pass my assault weapons ban. But I just wanted to send my uh, concern and hearts out to so many parents out there. You know, just like when in the military, when my son was in Iraq for a year, other places, you, there's so many members of the military coming back with post-traumatic stress yeah. after witnessing all right. the violence and participating. Now he's off talking about himself again. And Bo in Iraq, uh, what does that have to do with these children in Tennessee? Uh, let's see, he sends out his concern, his concerns and his hearts out. Not prayers anymore, that's not, no. Concerns and hearts out. Makes a couple of partisan political shots and uh, talks about AK-47s. No one else said the shooter had AK-47s. We believe that might be a, a bit of fake news. This is not normal. A president does not conduct himself like this. Hasn't, at least historically. They said he was presidential. They say he would bring back normal, normality, right? Donald Trump knew how to do it in moments of deep national tragedy. My fellow Americans, today I speak to a nation in grief. Yesterday, a school filled with innocent children and caring teachers became the scene of terrible violence, hatred, and evil. You see how it's done, Joe Biden? This is how it's done. You don't you don't joke, you don't riff, you don't wing it. It's too serious, it's too significant. Republicans get that, Democrats get that. Bill Clinton, 1999. I want to begin by saying that Hillary and I are profoundly shocked and saddened by the tragedy today in Littleton where two students opened fire on their classmates before apparently turning their guns on themselves. Bill Clinton had a lot of thoughts, but he wasn't an idiot. And at the right time, he could say the right thing on occasion. Joe Biden, on the other hand, I mean, what happened today? Yeah, it's a pretty basic thing when you're a president. It's basic. It should be. And it's happened, well, it happens all the time. You heard about Mississippi, right? The, Mississippi and Alabama, the horrible storms, the tornado and the horrific damage uh, happened over the weekend. And the time to say something about it was over the weekend. We heard from one president, President Trump, not the other one. Take a look. Before we begin, I also want to express our sadness and send our prayers to everyone in Mississippi and Alabama who's been touched by the devastating tornadoes today. A lot of people were killed. We love you all for seven years. This is how it's done. Once again, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, with all of that, I don't know, apparatus at his disposal. What did he do? He took the weekend off. <laughs> he went to Delaware, and then he came home from Delaware. Yes, they put out a statement, but 
You don't see Joe on the weekend. He does not work weekends. How about that? Don't these presidents, don't these candidates, they always say, we will never rest. I will always fight for you. Except on weekends. Except on weekends. So he's not fighting for us, and he's not sticking up for us. And again, he just doesn't want any trouble. To make no mistake, the United States does not, does not emphasize, seek conflict with Iran. This is after Iran killed one of our guys in Syria with one of their drones. We may not be looking for conflict, but they are. This, we're not looking for conflict. This is what he always says. It's getting to be a total joke. And our enemies and even our friends are laughing. Since the beginning of my administration, we seek competition, not conflict with China. We're not seeking conflict with Russia. We don't seek conflict. I told them that we're looking for competition. That's a protest of the week. Oh, and here's the part about uh, our friends laughing at us. Did you see this from Canada? So today, I applaud China for stepping up. Excuse me, I applaud Canada. You can tell what I'm thinking (laughs) about China. I won't get into that yet. They're laughing at him, and they're laughing at us. Um, And he's not even standing up for himself. You know, he's been credibly accused of accepting millions of dollars. And he's just counting on the fake news, getting him out of all that trouble. I would be, uh, I'd be pretty fired up if I were him. But perhaps he's guilty. Perhaps he's guilty. So when Donald Trump sticks up for himself in the face of this guy. I, Alvin Leonard Bradley, swear or affirm. Where or firm, that I will defend, that I will defend and support, and support the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend and defend. Yeah, he's not doing that. That's Alvin Bragg, the district attorney here in New York County, Manhattan, who is going after Donald Trump. Uh, He's not living up to his oath of office, all right? You got to swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Well, no DA can suddenly on their own say that things like resisting arrest are suddenly legal because he doesn't want to file charges and send, he doesn't want to send anybody to jail for resisting arrest. Also, you don't have to pay the subway fare in New York City. Why? Because he said, we're not prosecuting that anymore. You can't go to jail for that. And attempted assault? Uh, yeah, if uh, no one was hurt, if you just tried to hurt somebody, then uh, you're not going to be charged and you are not going to jail. Uh, this is a problem. And if this guy were coming after you, you'd raise these issues, right? And you might even put out a tweet or a true social that reads, oh, there's Donald Trump. He is a Soros-backed animal. Soros-backed? Absolutely. The guy got a half million dollars from George Soros, who seems to be committed to undermining America. Now, the animal part, I don't see the problem. Everybody else does. Talking about the the district attorney, he's a Soros-backed animal, right? And so that's a classic anti-Semitism racist trope. He embraced an anti-Semitic trope while calling Bragg an animal. Is really a dog whistle against African-American, against black people, against people of color. He called Alvin Bragg uh, a Soros-backed animal. Yeah. He's turning to his old tricks here of, you know, um, being uh, racist or racist adjacent, using that type of language. 
Uh, what's the problem? What is the problem? Soros backed. That's not anti-Semitic. It's just fact. Soros backed half a million dollars. And the animal thing, we have a guy who swore to uphold the Constitution and he's not doing it. Animal is not the worst thing you can say either. Who saw the movie Animal House, right? They were all primarily white guys, except for Otis and his band. And I don't remember, right? They were animals. That's fine. And, uh, oh, they called Donald Trump an animal. Yeah, all the time. President Trump is a very political animal. Well, political animal, that's not really. Trump, a trapped animal. See, that's not nice. Um, people use this free of any racial connotation all the time. Here, Frank, you're an animal. You, you, you're just an animal, man. You get it, right? Fair enough. Very simple. <sighs> what this guy is doing, Mr. Bragg, is, well, he's playing a big game with our Constitution and with his authorities as a prosecutor. Thomas Jefferson said something very profound about these things. My friend Barbara pointed out the most sacred of the duties of a government is to do equal and impartial justice to all its citizens. To many of us, that is clearly not happening now, but we are very grateful that there are some citizens out there who are standing up and doing the right thing. I am honoring my ethical obligation. I've listened to Michael Cohn stand in front of the courthouse and say things that are directly contrary to what he said to us. My obligation is to bring the truth to both the district attorney and to Trump's lawyers. That's exactly what I did. That is Robert Costello, prominent New York City attorney, former federal prosecutor, former attorney for Michael Cohen. And he provided what we believe is some extraordinary testimony to the grand jury last week. And he joins us tonight. Uh, welcome back, Mr. Costello. How are you? Has the dust settled from uh, last week's uh, incredible appearance? Not at all. Um, I'm well, thank you, Greg. How are, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Listen, it seemed like from the outside looking in, everything was changed after you went down there and said, look, <laughs> you guys can't trust Michael Cohen. You got to think twice about this. And then things did seem to come to a stop. From your standpoint, what's happening right now? Do you think you got through to them? Well, I think I got through to them because today I understand they called back another witness by the name of David Pecker, who uh, used to run the National Enquirer. And what they're investigating now is he bought a story involving the McDougal lady and then never published the story. So apparently Mr. Pecker admitted uh, with the federal authorities when he got a non-prosecution agreement that he should have filed with the Federal Election Commission, the FEC. But that doesn't mean that Donald Trump should have filed something. The only way that Mr. Pecker would involve Donald Trump is if Donald Trump repaid that money. And I haven't heard any allegation that he did. So the fact that they had him in here once before and then brought him back after I dealt with Michael Cohn tells me, and of course, I don't understand this. Uh, I, I don't know this for a fact, but this is my speculation that they're moving away from Michael Cohn and Stormy Daniels and trying to focus their investigation on the National Enquirer's uh, purchasing the story of Miss McDougal and then not publishing it. Wow. All right. Well, uh, their ultimate aim does seem to get Trump, right? I mean, they don't want Mr. Pecker. If they get him, great. But they want Trump. 
Absolutely. And the thing is, if, if Pecker did anything wrong, and I'm not suggesting that he did, it would be a federal violation, not a state law violation. I don't know why they're even looking at that. This is crazy. And listen, to be fair, we have more questions for you. If you could stick around for just a moment, please. And also sure. later in the show, Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg is, uh, believe it or not, some people think he's talented. He jumps around. He sang at the Super Bowl last year. But if you quote his lyrics, do so at your own risk. He can sing them in front of millions of people. But depending upon who you are, you probably shouldn't. Be right back. Well, there's Alvin Bragg swearing to uh, support and defend the Constitution of the United States, except when he doesn't feel like it, apparently. Um, and how about this tweet from three years ago? He was watching a Trump speech. MAGA love the black people. Trump just said that on TV. He's a racist and absolutely terrible. This is from Alvin Bragg. He's currently the district attorney investigating Trump. This is what he said back before he held elective office. Um, uh, Mr. Costello, this may be far afield somewhat from your your testimony, but as a lawyer, that seems like you'd have to recuse yourself or find a special somebody or other. He can't prosecute if he feels that way about Donald Trump, can he? No, I don't think so. I think he should recuse himself. I was unaware of that statement, but uh, having read it now, there's no question in my mind that if he had any sense of fairness, he would recuse himself. If that's the way he feels about Trump, he can't be impartial about this. All right. Now, listen, you know that uh, we all kind of know that Michael Cohen is a liar, right? Everybody knows that. He's admitted to it, essentially. And um, now some people, and I think you said this, well, he can't be trusted. And I agree. But don't prosecutors use, you know, mobsters and murderers and all kinds of people with bad backgrounds who have been caught in lies as witnesses. Some people tell me that Brad could be disbarred for using a guy like Cohen as a witness in this matter. But I seem to remember that prosecutors do that. They use, you know, bad people at times uh, as witnesses. They do. But Michael Cohen is an example of a person who lies again and again and again. We already know that he's a convicted perjurer. He perjured himself before the House. But he came to us seeking legal advice and managed over the two and a half months or so that we were associated with him to tell us probably another 30 or 40 lies, uh, lies where he contradicted himself from one session to the next. Absolutely a guy who cannot be trusted. And the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District, when I sat down with them at their request, after they sent me a copy of the waiver of the attorney-client privilege and said, we want to talk to you about Michael Cohen, and I went down there, spent two hours with two FBI agents and two assistant United States attorneys. At the end of that, the Southern District of New York did not have any further dealings with Michael Cohen. <laughs> uh, now, by the way, that should have been a lesson to the DA's office. You would think, you would think. Here's Michael Cohen. I've watched this before. I don't believe him, but we have to watch this together. Uh, cut zero, zero, please. If, in fact, that I waived attorney-client privilege, I'd like to know when, how, where. I don't recall waiving anything, but did again, you, this is, this is, I don't wanna, know, I don't know what he's talking about. All right. If that's him talking about you. And by the way, the waiver has been found and discovered. Um, why did he grant you that waiver? Why would he ever say you can talk to anybody you want to? I mean, why not just keep that? 
That's insanely stupid. I really don't know. I simply got a call from the U.S. Attorney's Office back in March of 2019. They called me up and they said, Bob, we'd like to talk to you about your representation of Michael Cohen. And my instinctive reaction was I laughed. Hmm. And then I said, can I presume that you're sitting there with a copy of the attorney-client waiver? And they said, your presumption is correct. I said, well, send it over. And uh, after I get it, you know, I'll be happy to answer any of your questions. And I did that. And they stopped dealing with Michael Cohn because there were so many contradictions in Michael Cohn's testimony. The thing that's shocking is that the DA's office was unaware that Michael Cohn had waived the attorney-client privilege. That's astonishing. It shows a lack of due diligence on their part that they didn't know that. Or that Michael Cohn lied to them just as he lied on that other network when he said, I didn't sign a, uh, an attorney-client privilege waiver. It's signed by Michael Cohn right. and his then-lawyer, Michael Monaco. Bragg is now putting out, his people at least are putting out, that uh, these uh, falsifying business records cases are routinely prosecuted, but I think they're leaving something out. Uh, they've been feeding the fake news this line for a while. Do me a favor, cut three. What this investigation may end up being is about the... Uh, essentially the falsifying business records, which, by the way, uh, this prosecutor has brought over 60, this one and the previous one brought over 60 times over the last four years. This is not an unusual crime to charge somebody oh, no. with in the Manhattan oh, no. District Attorney's Office. Oh, no. We have over oh, oh. 60 instances. Oh, Chuck, you yeah, I think they're playing a big game here, but you're the attorney. They usually would link it to something else. Tell me what you think of that statement. Oh, we, we prosecute this kind of crime all the time. Absolutely. That's a that's a ridiculous statement, because what they're doing here is taking an alleged misdemeanor violation of federal law, trying to make it a misdemeanor violation of state law and then tying it to another alleged crime in order to make it a felony. Now, even the felony has a five year statute of limitations. And we're talking about events that happened in 2016, 2017, maybe. Uh, and it's now 2023. But they're using the COVID uh, additions to the statute of limitation. Basically, what they're doing is is really gerrymandering this, huh. trying to turn. It's it's interesting because most of the time, Bragg takes felonies and reduces them to misdemeanors. This time, he's trying <laughs> to take a misdemeanor and increase it to a felony in order to avoid the statute of limitations. And it's never this theory has never, ever been brought especially against a former president of the United States. And this is absolutely the worst set of facts that you could have to bring a novel legal theory against a former president. It's only it, it stinks of yeah. political bias. A consistent woke. with that quote that you just read from Bragg. Yeah. Hey, a woke prosecutor who hates Trump. And in 2023, this is uh, this is what we're dealing with. But Mr. Costello, I think you did a great service, and I think, quite frankly, a lot of people appreciate and recognize your candor and your honesty and your, and your boldness and your integrity. Robert Costello, former deputy chief of the criminal division at the U.S. Attorney's Office, now an attorney in private practice that was at the Southern District of New York, by the way. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Greg. Have a great night. You too. Hey guys, it's Carson. Biden's America is crushing us. 
You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one day after another. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hard. Families to the brink. Hell, just look at the price of eggs. And the digital dollar could be coming down the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it. I know it. And that's why I partnered with the great company Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They are six-time Inc. 500 winner, 2022 Company of the Year with thousands of five-star reviews and have helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last, only if you call them today. Qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin, so don't wait. Call 855-735-3740. 855-735-3740. That's 855-735-3740. Well, not only America, but the entire globe has flipped its lid when it comes to race. Uh, Scotland, Donald Trump's mother comes from Scotland, came from Scotland. Uh, Scotland has lost it like, well, like we have here when it comes to race. Uh, This guy is the incoming leader of Scotland. His name is Yusef Hamza. And he's a hateful, hateful man. The most senior positions in Scotland are filled almost exclusively by those who are white. Take my portfolio alone. The Lord President, white. The Lord Justice Clark, white. Every High Court judge, white. The Lord Advocate, white. The Solicitor General, white. The Chief Constable, white. Every Deputy Chief Constable, white. Every Assistant Chief Constable, white. The head of the Law Society, white. The head of the Faculty of Advocates, white. Every prison governor, white. And not just justice. The chief medical officer, white. The chief nursing officer, white. The chief veterinary officer, white. The chief social work advisor, white. Almost every trade union in this country headed by people who are white. In the Scottish Government, every director general is white. Every chair of every public body is white. Okay, they're white. You're a jerk. What? They live there. Is that a problem? And no kidding, this should be a career-ending moment for this guy. Happened three years ago. No, it's a career-making moment. That individual is about to be Scotland's new leader, Hamza Youssef, a pro-independence guy who happens to be Muslim. Uh, Sorry, I just don't think it's a kind way. He seemed to have contempt for their whiteness. You can have contempt for people if you... but not based on the skin color. That's very silly, but that's the way the world is going. Have you seen some of this stuff? People signing up to apologize for being white? Yeah, it's a thing. This is California in 2019. White people kissing the feet of black people. Watch. There you go. Mr. White Man, get these white women and get these white people in here, man. Keep on coming. Keep on coming. Keep on coming, Mr. White Man. Keep on going. Keep on going, man. Most of ain't Christ, man. You understand? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty depraved and, and crazy, but it's not isolated. This is a growing trend. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Houston in 2020. After the George Floyd uh, situation, all these people are bowing down, begging for forgiveness for being white. Uh, take a look at what happened next. We're not shaming anybody, guys. We're just 
humbling ourselves before you. Yes, Lord. You brought the thunder and rain today, God. Because Satan takes the L today. Father, in Jesus' name, you get the victory. Father, we ask for forgiveness from our black brothers and sisters for years and years of racism, of systematic racism. All right, some of these have got to be a joke. <laughs> uh, but apparently this is a real thing. Okay, fast forward. Children in February of this year. That's that's last month. Florida classroom. Now they're about to bow down before the, the children of color. Is this is this for real? Is this from SNL or something like that? No, it's actually uh, it's actually for real. Uh, people have flipped their lid when it comes to race. It doesn't matter what color you are. Uh, just uh, well, they, they, they've, they've gone crazy. Snoop Dogg. You know, Snoop Dogg is quite the character, right? He hangs around with uh, Martha Stewart. He smokes pot. He uh, is involved in a very serious crime, but he keeps succeeding. He keeps uh, winning. I guess that's good for him. But if you dare celebrate his life or his lyrics and you are the wrong color, watch out. He has a song. I don't know. Uh, well, watch this. I think that'd be pretty cool. Before we know it, she'd have a Snoop Dogg tattoo on her shoulder. But she is a <laughs> I'm telling you. Julie, what do you think about that? Huh. Huh, she says. <laughs> All right, so uh, it rhymes with drizzle, what she said. I've heard the phrase about 50,000 times. I never knew what it meant, and apparently it means something. I still am unclear because some people are writing it, some people... She loses her job because of this. Uh, Barbie Bassett, taken off the air, no longer listed as a member of the news team because uh, she spoke potentially the wrong way about race. But you got to remember this. The left, they're dictating who and what can say what about race. And the far left, they, they come up with the rules and they're ever changing. Black Lives Matter. They are having a an unfortunately stupid conversation about race to avoid having an important and serious and uncomfortable one. And how do we tackle this, by the way? How do we tackle this? How do we tackle black-on-black crime, which nobody wants to talk about, and even fewer people want to talk about black-on-white crime? Do you know black-on-white crime? It's 42.3 times more likely than white-on-black crime. The numbers are incredibly skewed, uh, one-sided. And that's crazy. When are we going to fix this stuff? When are we going to be honest? Um, I'll try. Will you? We'll be right back. The president has said clearly he believes it's important to keep the lines of communication with China open. He wants to have another conversation with President Xi. We'll move in that direction. But these transits are normal, uh, particularly for this particular president. No date for that call. With no President date for that Xi, call. Yeah. We can't even get President Xi on the phone. President Xi of China, have you noticed? Seems like that guy is the most important man on earth. And it shouldn't be that way, all right? The American president, at least the entire time I was growing up, well, we were worried about the Soviets for a little while, uh, but now it seems all about China. Are we losing it? Are we losing our power, our status, our prestige? It sure seems that way. Blaine Holt, retired Brigadier General of the United States Air Force, U.S. Deputy Military Rep to NATO and a Newsmax contributor. Uh, welcome back, General. I feel like uh, I feel like we don't count as much anymore. You know, I feel the same way. It's really 
it's really bizarre to watch American power wane this way and so quickly. And it's not a seminal event like World War II when the British handed over the reins to us when we established a post-war order. This is more about what China's been designing into baked into the cake for decades now, whittling away a little by little, cheating every single step of the way buying off people, the corruption, and now the aggressiveness, uh, and, and an administration that doesn't seem to be answering in the face of this at all. They sure don't. And it looks like, and no one really seems to want to acknowledge it, uh, Joe Biden is compromised. I mean, there's all kinds of circumstantial evidence that these guys know things about uh, Joe Biden that the Washington Post and New York Times may or may not know, but they certainly are afraid to publish. Right. Well, there's enough circumstantial evidence out there that, you know, if only people would investigate this stuff and hold people accountable. Let's remember, this is the exact same national security team that took its seats the day on Inauguration Day all the way through Kabul, a deterrable war in Ukraine, the mess in Syria that we see today, banking crises, fentanyl soaring over the border, killing Americans and China building a coalition to bump us off the planet as uh, the, the prime order keeper. The difference is we have freedom in a U.S. Constitution and rule of law. Chinese don't have that. They have no rules. Well, it doesn't feel, I, I know what you just said. Suddenly it doesn't feel that way anymore. You know, do we have freedom? Do we have rule of law? We're, we're losing it ourselves. Those are our values, though. Uh, by the way, Joe Biden, uh, we lost one of our own guys to an Iranian drone in Syria, and this is what he said. To make no mistake, the United States does not, does not emphasize, seek conflict with Iran. It's the same message about China and Russia. We don't want conflict. You study this stuff in military schools and colleges and, I mean, presidential decision making. It's not supposed to look like this. If you shirk away from what your requirements and your responsibilities are to lead for America, you know, all of them swore an oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That's not what that looks like on that stage. That's not what we saw. What we should have seen is standing up for America and, more importantly, responding to these strikes. And after we've done that, somebody please reevaluate what those troops are there for and where we have troops around the world that we don't seem to be paying attention to. And 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 what's the next thing that's going to come our way? Is it going to be in Djibouti? Is it going to be in Somalia? Who's who's minding the store? And if you can, uh, I know we we're kind of not intimidated, but we're wary of China. Where should we feel confident? Now, we see President Xi walking around that big room and it looks like they've got their act together. But China has huge problems and huge vulnerabilities. What are some of them? Yeah, so I'm glad to get into the positive with you because this is where it gets really good. The CCP has made a colossal mess of China. There are millions that have died from COVID to now and millions since they opened it up. Uh, they've trashed their economy. They have uh, rolled up billionaires. They've rolled up their tech sectors because they've been very worried and nervous that these rising billionaires were going to take power from them. So China's going back to what it looked like in 1978 with Mao before the opening. And this really does look like the Cultural Revolution 2.0. But what we should be cautious about is all dynasties end in tears. They're getting desperate in the CCP. And what are they doing on the world stage to deflect their people in a new direction? Hey, very quickly, was it a mistake for Nixon to open China in 1972? Looking back, everything that we know now, was that premature? Were we naive? I love Nixon, but did we make a mistake? 
you know what? It probably was not a mistake. The mistake came like it so often does in American foreign policy. We don't stay with the game. We didn't have a grand strategy. We didn't understand a vision of where it was supposed to go and how it was supposed to end. We saw that with the Soviet Union, too, at the end of the Cold War. We're, we're great starters of these things. We're just not very good finishers uh, at the end of the game. General Blaine Holt. Retired U.S. Air Force. Thank you very much, sir. To be continued, and uh, we'll be back soon. Thank you. This is not good at all. A major polling group out of the University of Chicago, they've been doing this for a long time, they asked Americans, how important is patriotism? Is patriotism an important thing to have? In 1998, 70% of the respondents said, yes, patriotism is important. In 2023, look at that, 38%. What a fall off. And how about this? Faith, religion. In 1998, 62% of the respondents said it was important to have faith, to have a religion. And now just 39% of the people believe that. This is a country in total crisis. This this, I think, is the biggest story we possibly have ever covered, and there's so much more. It's almost, how do you, how do you go about it? More to come. I do think one major antidote is Donald Trump. <laughs> he could help in so many ways. We'll see what happens, of course. He had a spectacular rally this weekend in Waco, Texas. And did you see he was talking about Newsmax and about some of the people who work at Newsmax? Take a look. Greg Kelly has been great. Rob over there has been great. Newsmax just got its 15 million people back, which is great, which is great. Newsmax, they, they tried to destroy Newsmax. What they've done to OAN is horrible, horrible. But they tried to destroy Newsmax, and through a lot of different things, they got it back. DirecTV, they didn't like it. And uh, they had very high ratings, and they took it off. That's something pretty unusual. But well, look, I know Newsmax worked it out with DirecTV and everybody's happy, but that was really cool to get that kind of acknowledgement from President Trump. And one of the things, the broader context there, he mentioned Tucker and Tucker and that footage that he uh, that he uncovered. And look, I didn't care that it came from Tucker. I knew it was important. We had to cover it. Tucker's great. He's a competitor, though. But it was so big, we had to look at it. And, of course, Officer Sicknick, we now know he was alive when they told us he had already been hit in the head with a fire extinguisher and he was dying. That's not true. Also, we know that the Horns guy, Jacob Chansley, well, the cops seem to be working with him at some point. And, of course, we talk a lot about Ashley Babbitt on this show. And that's why I think President Trump said what he said. Here's another little taste. Greg Kelly has been great. I love it. I can show my grandkids someday. Thank you very much. I'll be right back. Thank you very much, and we'll be back tomorrow.